The book of Acts, starting in chapter 13. Remember, we were just introduced to the fact that Antioch became a, a place that was uh, very, uh, very important in the church. Uh, it was a, a great center of people meeting and fellowshipping. And there were uh, not just Jews, but Gentiles. It was uh, a good, good mix of people. Barnabas was there. Simeon, who was also called Niger, was there. Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, uh, and, and Saul, who we start to call Paul at some point. Um, they're there. It describes p- uh, prophets and teachers there. There's just people uh, fasting, waiting on the Lord. And the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called for them. So they fasted and prayed and laid hands on them and sent them on this work. And so they were sent out, and they sailed to Cyprus. And they reached uh, Salamis, Salamis, <laughs> I assume is a city in Cyprus. And they begin preaching the word. They start in the synagogue of the Jews. And they also had John as their helper. And they'd gone throughout the whole island. However, along the way, they found a magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was the proconsul of Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence. So he's, uh, you know important, two important figures on the island. And the man summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Ilimus, the magician, for I guess uh, Bar-Jesus' name is translated as that, was opposed to them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who's also known as Paul, so here we're introduced to the fact that Saul is also called Paul, and I always thought the Lord changed Saul's name to Paul. But when I was searching for that a month or two ago, I, I couldn't find that. So apparently it, it might just be a translation from, he, from uh, Hebrew to Greek. Um, the, you know, the way they, they just, I, I think it was common for Jews. I, I believe it's still common. I know, I know from some family experience that some Jews... Um, uh, I don't know if this is all Jew. I don't know. I I have had a few Jews that are like important in my life, uh, family through marriage, and and uh, guy who's really important in my early walk and married my wife and I. Led all my uh, my uh, um, early mission trips, um, but I I've never asked him that question. But I knew through these others that uh, they they had sort of two names. They had a name they called each other pri- privately in the family, and then they had their public name. So I, I don't know if that's still common, if, if that's just a, you know, I don't know. But we, we see that here a lot in the Bible, and so apparently that applied to Paul, Saul, and Paul. Saul, who's called Paul. So anyways, they, um, Saul see, or Paul sees, he's filled with the Holy Spirit, he fixes his gaze on this magician, he's a Jewish magician, he says, you who are full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? Now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and not see the sun for a time. And immediately a mist and a darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking those who would lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had happened, being amazed at the teaching of the Lord. So he's, you know, the Lord has done this great sign both to uh, eliminate this uh, negative influence and amaze this man that, that uh, was basically going to be coming to the Lord. And so then Paul and his companions set out to sea from, from Paphos, came to Perga in Pamphylia. 
But John left them and returned to Jerusalem. Going on from per now, I'm kind of assuming that's John Mark, um, where uh, remember later Paul is going to be uh, uh, upset with with John Mark, which we call Mark. Um, I'm assuming that's when he left, and that's what upset Paul. So then Paul and Barnabas went to Pisidian Antioch. So this is a different Antioch. And on the Sabbath, they went to the synagogue. The law and the prophets were read. And then the leaders there said, Brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say it. So Paul stood up. Men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. And Paul proceeds to tell them the history, starting from when the people were in Israel. And God led them out into the wilderness, and then the promised land, the time of the judges, then the time of the kings, Saul and David. And that he had made a promise to David, that David had been a man after his own heart and that that uh, he would do his God's will and so that his descendants would carry a promise and that Jesus was this the promised savior for Israel and after he's, he brings up John the Baptist they proclaim before his coming a baptism of repentance to all the people and while John was completing his course he kept saying what do you suppose that I am I am not he but behold one is coming after me the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie so John the Baptist was apparently famous because these Paul's expecting these people to have heard of John the Baptist and he says John the Baptist himself testified about this Jesus that he is the Messiah and so Paul exhorts them and says you're you're sons of Abraham you know you're Jews you fear God you're here met uh, this message of salvation has come to us he said those who live in Jerusalem the rulers recognized uh, did not recognize him nor the utterance of the prophets which are read every Sabbath fulfilled by condemning him so he says everything that they did fulfilled the scriptures but they could not see it they wanted him dead but they couldn't even find a reasons but they had Pilate do it anyways and when they carried all this out uh, that was you know written about him in the prophets they took him down to the cross, put him in a tomb, and he, he goes on to say God raised him from the dead and explain how that happened. That Jesus came back and, and uh, taught and, and basically testified to the truth of what he had been preaching to them now that he had been raised and it was a witness to the people. And that now, you know, he says, we that experience this preach the good news of the promise that was made to our fathers. See, he's linking it all back. He's not just throwing out the Old Testament. He's saying the Old Testament's purpose was for this Messiah to come, for this kingdom to come, he is the new king after the way, after the heart of David. He references the psalm that says, You are my son, today I have begotten you about Jesus. And he also mentions a couple other, uh, where he says, I will give you the holy and sure blessing of David, and also you will not allow your holy one to undergo decay. He talks about the fact this was obviously not talking about David because he did decay. But God raised up one who did not decay, being Jesus. So Paul says, let it be known, through Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. It's offered to you. And through him, everyone who believes is free from all things and from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. Therefore, take heed. So he's saying the law of Moses was important. It was there. It led us to this point. But it never gave you freedom from your sins or forgiveness of your sins. You, there always needed to be another sacrifice. But now there is one who is the ultimate sacrifice. And then he quotes the prophets. Behold, you scoffer and marvel. Uh, sorry. Behold, you scoffers and marvel and perish. 
for I am accomplishing a work in your days, a work which you will never believe, though someone should describe it to you. So as Paul and Barnabas wrapped up, many the people wanted to hear more. They wanted them to come back the next Sabbath and tell them more. But many of them didn't wait for that. They followed them right out the door so they could continue seeking and, and urging them to continue in the grace of God. And so people were coming to know the Lord. And so the next Sabbath, they came and nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of God. Uh, the, but the Jews saw the crowds and they were filled with jealousy. And so they began contradicting the things spoken by Paul and were blaspheming. Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first, since you repudiate it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. When you read Romans and he says, First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Of course, that's actually what has happened. Quite literally, you can see... the you know, Jesus appeared to the Jews. Um, but then also that is the way that he always went about his ministry when he would come to a new city, first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. And then he, he says, for the Lord commanded us, I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the end of the earth. And the Gentiles heard this and they were rejoicing and glorifying in the word of God. They were excited to receive this and as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. So many believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread through the whole region, but the Jews incited the devout women of prominence and the leading men of the city and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and they drove them out of their district. But Paul and Barnabas just shook off the dust from their feet uh, and went on to Iconium, and the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And so then we go on to chapter 14. And we see a similar pattern. First, they go to the synagogue, and um, many Jews do believe, and Jews and Greeks are believing, but there's some Jews who disbelieve, and they stirred up the mind of the Gentiles and embittered them against the brethren. So it's common when, when, when you're operating under the anointing, the will of the Lord, the power, the grace of the Lord, um, there, there's going to be spiritual battle. And you see that everywhere Paul goes. Paul is bringing the grace of the kingdom He's bringing the truth of the gospel, and the enemy is stirring people up against him. And so, on one hand, people are being saved, and on the other hand, there's a great difficulty. And this will be the way of it until, you know, the thousand-year reign when Jesus sort of locks away evil. They're not going to stop fighting until they're unable to fight. So, this should be our expectation that this is normal, and just not get upset about the fact that we're undergoing difficulty, but consider it joy and know that the Lord, if we are walking with the Lord, he will overcome everything. So we need not worry about the momentary setbacks because we are about the work of the Lord and the Lord is all powerful over every enemy. Jesus has conquered them all. So just walk in that and don't be, don't be bothered by such things. They will happen and they'll happen again after whatever you're dealing with now. <laughs> More will come later. Don't let that upset you. Uh, be grateful that you could suffer for the Lord and be expectant on how he will triumph in your present circumstances. So we have uh, Paul and Barnabas speaking boldly. We have the people getting stirred up. Some thinking, man, God is really with these people and others thinking we need to kill them. So they tried to stone them. Uh, and But they became aware of this, and so they moved on and fled to cities like Laconia, Lystra, and Derbe in the surrounding region, and they continued to preach the gospel. And so then we, we find them at Lystra, and 
Paul sees a man who has been lame in his feet. He's never walked since he was born. And he's listening intently to Paul. Paul can see that he has faith to be healed. So you see the importance of the faith of the person praying for healing and the faith in the person being prayed for. Those are both principles. Don't make laws and rules out of things because there's always going to be exceptions. But they're principles on how such things, how the Lord operates in the world. And so, I mean, it's not an accident that Luke mentioned the fact that this man had faith to be healed. Now that has been um, abused by people because they pray for somebody and then they're not healed and they blame that person for not having enough faith. Um, that's that's a horrible thing to do. It it could even be true in some circumstances, but is there value in that? Is there is there people that go around doing that? Um, uh, I mean, I'm not. I don't even have something specific in mind. I've just I just know that that has happened a lot, and so um, I, I think that's that's a great evil. I think that's a terrible way to go about ministry. Um, um, so, but anyways, it is a true principle. So, just because people have abused the principle doesn't mean it's not a true principle. And it, we see that here in Scripture. The reality is, there's always more than one principle at work. And so, unless the Lord is making it very clear to you that this particular thing is true, then you don't know that there's not other principles at work here, other spiritual realities that you're not aware of. Um, and if he has made it true, made you aware that this is the case, has he also made it, made you aware that you should share this? Because it, I'm not saying you should never share it, because perhaps it would stir up the person to come into more faith, or at least begin to examine themselves and grow into that faith over time when you're long gone. You know, I, I'm not trying to set up rules. Um, I'm just trying to say, uh, tread carefully when you represent the Lord to anyone, that you are truly representing the Lord and not just a law that you made up that is sometimes true, but is being applied by you in a way that might be outside of the will of the Lord. So Paul tells him, stand upright on your feet. And he leapt up and began to walk. And so the crowds are amazed. You know, they're raised in a loud voice in their own language. And they start saying, the gods have become like men and have come down to us. And they were calling Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. So kind of interesting there. Um, this shows me quite clearly that Barnabas was still the leader amongst the two of them because Zeus is the head Greek god. And so if they're calling Barnabas Zeus, they could tell that he was still the leader. But Paul was doing the talking, and so they were calling him Hermes. And uh, so it's interesting. This changes later, and, and Paul begins to assert his authority in the Lord and and they go different ways. And, and so the, I'm not saying this was always the case. And sometimes relationships in the spirit change um, based on the will of the Lord. Um, and, uh, I, you know, there's, these are two figures I highly respect in Scripture. But it's just interesting that you can see the growth in Paul. That not you, People don't start out super mature. And I think of Paul as someone who, who became super mature. But that doesn't mean he started that way. It, when we start to think things like that, we start to build a religion that makes it impossible for us to attain to these things versus just understanding everyone starts out as a fallen man or woman and we we are to be led by the Lord to grow in discipleship through others to grow into um, 
this life and to be transformed into being like Jesus or like Paul, like many of these we read about in the Bible. So the priest of Zeus in the temple that is there in the city starts bringing oxen and garlands to the gate. He's going to sacrifice with the crowds there because he he thinks Zeus is here. But then apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it and they tore their robes and rushed out into the crowd crying out and saying, men, why are you doing these things? Why are also men of the same nature, or sorry, we are also men of the same nature as you, and preach the gospel to you that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. That's kind of what I was just saying. He's like, look, we're ordinary men. Why are you doing? We're not gods. We're preaching about God. We're preaching about Jesus, which is the way to God. But we are not God. You do not understand anything we're saying. And then, let's see, it says, in, gen- in the generations gone by, he permitted all nations to go their own way. So he says, this, this way you've been going about, it's been permitted. But now, he, he's leaving you with a witness. He said, throughout history, there's always been witnesses through, through Abraham, through Moses, through Noah before them, through the law, the, the, the Israeli and Jewish people. Um, and he was even a witness through giving you rains, fruitful seasons, satisfying you with food and gladness and the beautiful things that are in nature. Even saying these things with difficulty, they restrained the crowds. He said, he's, he's made, you know, he's, he's made himself aware, but he lets you go on. But now the truth, the reality is here and you cannot go on in these ways anymore. So it wasn't easy, but they restrained the crowds from making a sacrifice for them. But then Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul. <laughs> so it's a rough uh, life of apostle. It's funny, you can see people running around calling themselves apostles. But we read the scriptures, <laughs> the life of the apostle, is, uh, it's a rough one. <laughs> so be careful what you wish for. Um, <laughs> and so Paul succeeds at having them not worship him which is obviously good and right. <laughs> but then what does he get for that? He gets stoned. People come up from these cities he'd already been and convinced the crowds that Paul's a bad guy. So they took him out of the city and they stoned him to the point where they thought he was dead. So was he actually dead? I, the way I read that, he very possibly was dead. But maybe he was just so bloodied up, he looked dead. But the disciples there, they start praying for him. And he pops up. I mean, I assume, doesn't say they prayed for him. I'm assuming they did though, right? But it doesn't say that. He got up and entered the city. The next day he went away. So either way, there's obviously a miraculous healing. Whether he was stoned to the point, I mean, if you're getting hit with the huge rocks um, to the point where you look dead or you're actually dead, um, popping up and just running back into the city is um, miraculous, right? I think that's pretty obvious. And, and so the next day, uh, after he entered the city, he went away with Barnabas to Derby, And so they began to preach in that city. And he, it says he visited several more cities and he's just praying with them. He's preaching and he's encouraging them to continue in faith. And he's teaching an important principle through many tribulations. We must enter the kingdom of God. Jesus said the same thing, right? It's, it, it's, it doesn't come with great ease. It comes with difficulty. That doesn't mean we're all going to be stoned like he was or the things that happened to Jesus specifically. But 
being transformed from a person of the flesh and of the world, of the fallen ways of Adam and Satan, the ruler of the air, this world, into a man that re- or a woman, again, I, I just use the man, man interchangeably, but this has nothing to do with, with gender. Um, but if you're a, a person who is filled with God, the presence of God, the ways of God, you're transformed to represent him in the world. That's not an easy change. It takes the discipline of the Lord, and in some, and it, it takes tribulations. Whatever those happen to look like, um, they're probably going to be more internal than external, but they might be external at times. So they would appoint elders uh, in every area where they were, and having prayed with fasting, they commanded them in the Lord to the Lord in whom they had believed. And it mentions several other cities that they went to, and eventually they sailed back to Antioch. And they share with the people, you know, from where they had started this journey, and they just shared all the wonderful stories, how God had moved amongst the Gentiles and how the door of faith had been opened to them. So we see, just as Jesus had commanded, first they went from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria, and and then to, you know, further on, to the ends of the earth, right? Um, And so we see this, actually, what Jesus had commanded as he left, actually being fulfilled. And that's it today. We'll see that they end up going back to Jerusalem tomorrow when we get to 15. But that is it for today. God bless you.